What's shaking, cats and kittens? Rob Lee here for this month's presenting sponsor, Night Owl Gallery. Night Owl Gallery is an intimate, artist-run exhibition space showcasing the original paintings and fine art prints of Beth Ann Wilson. Also, it features curated goods from local artists and craftsmen. You'll be sure to find one-of-a-kind gifts, handcrafted jewelry, home decor items, along with a few vintage treasures. Located in the rear of 248 South Conklin Street in Highlandtown, across from the Sally O's, Night Owl Gallery is a unique space that brings together Wilson's love of the arts, community, and culture. Additionally, Night Owl Gallery hosts an array of arts and crafts workshops throughout the year and participates in community events, many of which are free and open to the public. So in this ever-changing world, safety is their priority. So feel free to join them and hit them up online at www.nightowl.gallery. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and my next guest is the National Ambassador for Guinness Open Gate Brewery. We have Ryan Wagner. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So, um, I, I like beer. <laughs> so, uh, so that's that's the thing that's going on. I literally in my refrigerator currently is some of the delicious Guinness blonde. So that's, that's what's happening. And then it's kind of become that, um, that staple beer around my house and my girlfriend's place. So literally I, I had three of them yesterday. So that's what's happening. I appreciate that. You know, it's, it's one of those beers that, um, when we talk about the open gate brewery, a lot of what we talk about is kind of changing the perception that people have of Guinness changing the way that people view our brewery, because for so many people, Guinness isn't a brewery, it's a beer. It's a single beer that, that, you know, they think that that's all that we make. So a beer like Baltimore Blonde being light and crisp and very much American in its uh, recipe design, that's the beer that is sort of the gateway into all of the experimental stuff that we do at the brewery. And that's, and that's great to hear. And I, and I see just different like uh, breweries, different people that are in dabbling into the beer, like popping up and, and hearing about like a brand such as this. And I have a question related to that a bit later, but I won't leave the, the car too far. I leave the horse too far ahead of the cart. Um, so describe your work. Let's, let's step back a little bit. Describe your work for uh, those who are uninitiated. Yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting gig um, <laughs> to say the least. I, uh, I always, whenever I tell people the title and you mentioned it, the national ambassador for the Guinness open gate brewery, uh, the inevitably the question I get back is what, what is that? What, what's that mean? Um, and it's hard to describe, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed that I was, uh, one of the very first people, uh, brought on at the brewery when we, uh, looked to break ground back in the summer of 2017. Uh, and from there, my job has sort of evolved as the brewery has evolved. So, um, I get to touch a little bit of everything that we do. I often joke that the only thing I don't do is brew the beer. Uh, we leave that to the brewers. Yeah. Um, but in terms of uh, our training, education, heritage, uh, culture, making sure that Guinness is alive and well and breathing, the spirit of Guinness is in that building always. Um, handling beer quality for us on site, making sure that the beers are being poured uh, and being enjoyed exactly the way the brewers intended them. Uh, to be enjoyed. Um, so I train our entire staff. I work with our distributors out in the world to make sure that the beer is being sold, uh, the way that we hope it, hope it should be. I work with our local PR, uh, and comms agencies on PR and social media and, and all kinds of marketing initiatives as well. Um, I often joke that we spend $90 million on the brewery. They ran out of money and this was the best they could do for a face. Um, but I, I you know, being able to represent a, a brewery like Guinness, and it's different every day, right? You know, I get to, today I get to chat with you, uh, later this week, I think we're, we're going to be on a local TV station to talk about upcoming programming for father's day. Uh, and then two weeks from now I'll be training the next, uh, group of new recruits as it were. 
Um, really my job, when you, if you were to put it in one sentence, I spread the gospel of Guinness. That's what I do. And I, and I do it across our business. Uh, no matter how you interact with the beer, my job is to make sure you're doing it the way that we hope you do. That, that sounds great. You're, you're going through, it's just like, yeah, yeah. Tighten that up, get that straight. Let's you know, <laughs> and, uh, you respect the brand, you know, it's one of those things. And, um, I, I think that's important. Um, obviously it's important, especially like now, I think, coming off of as things start to kind of reopen and coming off of what the last year looked like, I think some businesses, some brands have put themselves in, in bad, in bad positions. And I think a part of it, they weren't really, uh, focused on or keeping that, like, is this what we really want to represent? Is this what we're really putting out there and how are we endearing ourselves, um, to the community and, and, and being a part of it. And I think having, someone that is doing that work and is being mindful of every facet of it, of what you're putting out there, you're responsible for it ultimately. And if something bad is going out, who do they, you know, who do they come back to? And I think that that's really important and it's gotten lost and it was highlighted for a lot of businesses, especially here locally over the last year. I agree with you. And, uh, you know, what's, what's the saying times like these don't build character, they reveal it, you know, in many ways. Uh, I would also say that while there is an incredible amount of history for Guinness, we've been around for 260 years, uh, founded in Dublin in 1759, 16, 17 years before this was even a country. Um, we've been around a long time. So there is a lot of that, that brand heritage, brand culture, brand story that needs to be told and needs to be told accurately. And and in a way that inspires the kind of passion that people who adore Guinness often exhibit, I would say that what, COVID and, and certainly the, the social uprising that's taken place over the last uh, 12 or 14 months, um, what it's also given us the opportunity to do is to step back and to grow and to learn and to be part of a positive change and to be on the right side of history. So, you know, standing in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, uh, working with the local community here to find uh, unique and interesting ways, not just to donate money, which is, of course, important, but also to use what we do well, to use what our expertise is, uh, to expand the awareness of some of these, uh, some of the issues facing communities of color, but also to bring those communities inside the brewery where too often they're marginalized yeah. uh, and tell those stories. You know, bring, don't just talk about Guinness culture, bring the culture of other communities inside. How can we marry those two things together? Uh, so for instance, an allyship series that we've been working on the last six months, uh, whether it's working with someone like Alicia January, who runs Discover Charm City, yeah. uh, working with Jasmine Norton, who runs uh, Urban Oyster, uh, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of work is so important. So I think the great thing about the brand of Guinness and, and working on behalf of the brewery is that yes, we've got a lot of great stories to tell, but in many ways we're still writing them and we get to, we get to see how that evolves every day. An ever evolving, ever growing, living, breathing thing. That is what I think a brand is <laughs> for better or worse. <laughs> Um, so let, let's step back a little bit and, um, look at some of your, your, your pre Guinness stuff, or maybe even concurrently your, your Guinness, uh, your Guinness work. Um, I read that an early part of your professional career was as a stage actor in New York. Uh, so then later the voice of the Orioles, that was one of my first jobs. I was in, um, I was in college. I was an event staff guy. Um, we were not there at the same time, I don't think. Um, so what was the thinking transitioning and, and, and working for Guinness and, and that maybe the the part B of that question is, um, are there similarities that you maybe take from your previous experience as a professional and utilize in what you're doing day to day now? 
Yeah, the, the transition that you're talking about going from uh, professional stage acting uh, to sports and working for Major League Baseball and then the Orioles and now working for Guinness, it's definitely one that makes your head spin. <laughs> and there's there's some 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 raised eyebrows whenever I, I kind of list off some of the resume things there. But um, to me, it's it's uh, performing is always is always central in, in my life. And and you know there was a time where that was a very literal thing where I was performing on stage and traveling the country with you know Broadway musicals and working out of New York and uh, doing all those sorts of things. Then uh, transitioning to Major League Baseball was just an unbelievable opportunity that came about. I auditioned for something called the MLB Fan Cave, yeah. uh, which gave me the opportunity to experience uh, digital media, social media, television, um, improv, uh, you know, uh, interview work. I, it was a little bit of everything, and it was this crazy, hectic eight-month program that I uh, was like blinked and it was over, and then you finally got to go to sleep for a few weeks. <laughs> um, and then I uh, transitioned right from there in 2011 to the Orioles in 2012, came back to Baltimore. I'm a Baltimore native, born and raised here. So the opportunity to become the announcer at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, the ballpark where I grew up watching games, uh, that was something that was, I mean, it's as unique as it gets. There's 30 Major League Baseball teams. Uh, these jobs don't come up, uh, come open terribly often. So I was lucky enough to do that for nine years uh, until uh, this, uh, until this season, actually. And so when, you know, the, the Orioles gig was great, but it was also a part-time hourly seasonal job. I needed, you know, I needed to work. I needed to pay bills. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for a dozen years or so, I was always a bartender. And any working actor will tell you that every working actor is an out-of-work bartender and vice versa. <laughs> right. Uh, so I spent a lot of time on the other side of the pine, back behind the bar. And, and I had a, a keen understanding and a real appreciation for the service industry, for uh, hospitality, for the beer world. Um, and, and so... When I got let go from a previous job back in 2017, it was one of those moments where uh, if you're not overly bummed about losing your job, that means that you probably weren't terribly happy in it to begin with. Right. Um, and that was what happened. And, you know, I knew sort of peripherally that there was this idea of a Guinness brewery that was going to be opening in Maryland. I didn't really know much about it, but I had been to Guinness in Dublin. I'd been to the home of Guinness the year before. I'd fallen in love all over again with the brand, with the beer, the passion that everybody working in the storehouse, which is what the building is called in Dublin, uh, the passion that all those people had for what they did. And so I just told my wife, I was like, I'm going to go work at Guinness. I don't know what it means. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, but I put out some feelers and, and reached out to a few friends in the beverage industry. And I was like, look, if you guys know anybody, here's my resume. Here's a cover letter. I want to try to get in there. Yeah. And it just so happened that this role, uh, which at that point was called a Guinness brewery ambassador, um, it, I, I didn't realize it, Rob, but I had been training my entire life to do this job. Uh, it's, it's really strange because obviously the, the experience I had in bartending, being behind the bar, working with beer, that was key. My ability to be on camera and interact and, and be comfortable sharing stories and talking about brand initiatives and things, that was important. Uh, relationship building, always, always. Um, and so all of these things combined, and to your point, do I use anything from my previous careers in this one? Yeah, all the time. Although what I'll say is, as an actor, I've always been an, a, a, a strong, strong advocate for arts education. Um, I went to Edgewood High School in Hartford County, um, brilliant theater program there. Was lucky enough to go to Frostburg State University. Most people may not know it, but they have an unbelievable theater program there. Uh, and you don't, we're growing up in a world, uh, growing up, I just, I'm turned 36 today. Today is my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Um, definitely, <laughs> thank you. Definitely not growing up. But we are living in a world right now where human interaction, right, yeah. is almost non-existent. And man, has that ever been, you know, clearer than during the last 16 months with COVID? So my my training in theater and my performance background, I love 
those interactions. I love sharing stories. I love educating people and and giving people uh, an experience that's memorable and meaningful and impactful. And so every I'm on stage every day. I think my wife would tell you it's it's more of a problem than it is a benefit. But I I love that part of my training and my background because that's what allows me, uh, frankly, to do things even like this with you, just to be able to 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 talk and to share and and to be um, to be an engaged part of of a story being told. I, I like that. I, I am picking up what you're putting down and I'm very similar. Also, I turned 36 earlier this year. So hey. <laughs> welcome to the club. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. Like I think um, a lot of the stuff that I've done leading up to this, it was like trial and error kind of finding out like what really didn't work and what skills did I rely on as far as being analytical and, and things like that, but always gravitating toward being in front of something and being relatively quick or like on my toes or what have you. And, um, and doing this podcast, uh, this particular podcast was initially before COVID, uh, we were recording, um, weekly at the Baltimore improv group. So I was always around improv guys and improv folks or what have you. And they were like, Hey, will you go on stage? I was like, absolutely not. It's like, but you seem so quick. I was like, no. <laughs> and it's like trying to balance being shy, but also having this kind of performance charismatic kind of approach to things. And people will remark about it. And it's like, I had no idea you were shy. I was like, I'm completely shy. Oh, I, well, what's, what's really funny. Uh, and again, my wife will, will tell you this. Yeah. I'm horribly introverted <laughs> when I'm, when I'm, when I'm at home, yeah. like if I, when I come home and the performance gets turned off and I just sit quietly and like, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Um, and my wife will often joke, she's like, you save all the good parts for everybody else. You like it, you get home and you're just like, yeah. So it's, it is, I mean, there, there's a balance there, but you know, the, the other big word that I often talk about with Guinness, it's actually one of our core sort of principles and pillars is passion. Right. Yeah. And I think coming from a background in theater, um, and I'm sure you can understand this, talk about improv, talk about podcasting, talk, these are passion things yeah. you have to have passion for this type of work. Um, and, and when it comes to theater, man, anybody that is an actor that's listening to this, who's, who's, who's done the work in New York, you better really like getting up every day and going to auditions yeah. and being told no over and over and over again. And I've worked jobs. I think we all have where you don't find that passion. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, man, the grass is certainly greener uh, when you can get to a place where they, they not only inspire that passion in me, but the people I work with encourage it. They build on it. They yeah. want to see that because if we exhibit passion in what we do, then what we share I mean, I talk about this all the time. People, someone could be talking about something that you have not the like the least bit of interest in, yeah. but if they're talking about it passionately, you'll stick around in this yeah. because that's where engagement comes from. And so passion is such a huge thing. And I think if I didn't have that experience in a career that was pretty much all passion, yeah. maybe I wouldn't have recognized it when I found it here again. I, I, I dig that. I, I, I love podcasting. I call myself a pod evangelist. Um, I I've been in different branding groups and workshops and things like that. You know how you had to chime in and, and mix with different folks and get an idea of what's going on in the scene. And I was like, I'm unabashed. I'm a pod nerd. I'm a podcast nerd. I, I love it. And I, I always extend and reach out to people who are trying to get into it because I re- respect this as a, is the art form. And 
I, I see that it's a lot of stuff that that's out there that mm, I'm like, uh, you guys aren't really doing it, doing it, the, the service that it, that it requires or what have you. So in a sort of watchdog way and having that interest and that passion for it, I definitely will talk to people and try to help them along their path and also be able to have conversations like this, despite if I were to see you in person, I'm like, Oh, Hey, Hey Ryan, how's it going? Yeah. Um, I have one more Oreo question real quick. Um, so you, you spoke about how, how cool it was and being in that role and kind of being that the voice there. And I'm just, I feel so crappy that I just wasn't there at the same time. I left in 2007, uh, while I was at Morgan, that's like, as soon as I graduated, I was like, hi, Orioles, it's been real guys. Yeah. Um, so you were there when the team wasn't as good and you were there doing that kind of ascend and making the playoffs, those, those show Walter years, was there ever a time when you're, you're doing, um, maybe you, you're, are you announcing the players and things like that? Mm-hmm. That was what I was. So, was there ever a time where you put a little extra something on it? It was like, yeah, we got Adam Jones. Were you ever on that or? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's. I was a very boring public address announcer. <laughs> <laughs> I say I say that because you know I I have a lot of respect for Oriole Park at Camden Yards and yeah. the, the structure itself, what it's meant to the city, um, and I also love that it's a little old school. You yeah. know, it's not it's not big and flashy and lots of bells and whistles and lights and all that stuff it's just kind of an old school ballpark and it revitalized the way that ballparks were being built around the country. Yes. Why, if you look at every ballpark that's been built since they're really similar. Yeah. Um, there's certainly been some improvements that have been made over the last 25 years. And it's hard to believe that Oriole park at Camden yards, I think is the eighth oldest stadium in baseball. Now mm-hmm. two different teams built a stadium after Oriole park and have since built another <laughs> stadium, uh, which is, which is nuts to me. But, um, yeah, I mean, there were times and there were certainly guys, I mean, Jones, you mentioned Jones, uh, Adam was a guy that when I was in the fan cave, that was one of his first couple of years coming up through the organization. I think he'd been with the Orioles for three or four years at that point. Um, and he showed up to the fan cave, uh, representing the Orioles. And, and that was one of the few times that I was like, Whoa. This is cool. <laughs> um, so his career with the Orioles kind of, um, I certainly didn't get paid as well uh, and was not nearly the fan favorite that Adam was, but there was, you know, a trajectory there where we both kind of came of age. Uh, and I think we're, I, we might be the same age. Yeah. I think he might be older. Um, so that part, I, guys like Adam Jones, my favorite part of the job uh, was always announcing major league debuts, uh, regardless of the team. If it was an Oriole, that was great. If it was somebody on the other team, just as cool. Because to me, again, you talk about passion, following your dreams, living your dreams to be able to be a really small, tiny part yeah. of that guy realizing a lifelong dream. That was really cool. And there, there was one, uh, one story that I'll always, uh, I'll always remember fondly. There was a guy, <clears throat> excuse me, who made his debut with the Toronto Blue Jays. He was a catcher. His name's Luke Maley. And Luke was from Frederick, Frederick, Maryland. And he happened to be in Baltimore with the Blue Jays and made his major league debut at Oriole Park in front of like 200 friends that had all showed up to see if maybe this was the day that he was going to get into a game. Um, And I had a a, a very, and again, nothing flashy, but a very simple mechanic whenever there was uh, a major league debut, which was your attention, please, ladies and gentlemen, now batting for the Blue Jays and making his major league debut, blah, 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 whoever it was. Um, I got a letter from Luke, handwritten note uh, the next day. Uh, that just said, you know, uh, I think it even said like to, to the PA announcer, dear PA announcer, cause I'm not sure you knew my name. Um, this is Luke Maley. I just wanted to let you know how much it meant to me and how much it meant to my family for you to announce that the way that you did. 
to draw attention to it and so on and so forth. So the big league debuts always gave me a little bit of a, a little bit of butterflies and a little bit of the goosebumps because it's just, that's such a unique singular moment um, that I was able to play a, a very tiny part in. That's great. That's great. And you, you remember it. It's like that first hit, all of those different things. You, you remember those first. And that's the thing with, um, that I've noticed with baseball and uh, my entry point with the Orioles and all of that stuff was, the playoff game, Jeffrey Mayer, I'll move on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was my entry point into baseball. Um, so, and, and, and I think you've touched on it um, already. So if there are any other ones, feel free to add, or we can just move to the next question. But um, aside from what you've touched on, what other traits do you think are six, make you successful in your day-to-day responsibilities? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, passion is a huge one. Authenticity to me is really big. Uh, and I, those two kind of go hand in hand for me because, um, while passion is the single most contagious thing in the world, uh, fake passion is the easiest thing to identify ever. Um, so to me, it has to be real. It has to come from a place of, of meaning, um, communication, my ability to, to connect and to communicate with people, I think is something that I'll always, uh, point to, uh, just being a, a really strong communicator. Um, I'm a workaholic, man. Uh, <laughs> and it's, and, and when I care about something, that's what I want to do. I, I want that place to be, uh, as that brewery in particular to be as successful as it possibly can be, not because it benefits me financially or otherwise, but because I care about that place. I care about the people that populate it. Um, and it's, it's something that's very close to me. I had a, a very important, um, uh, conversation a couple of years back with one of my bosses at the time, um, who said, uh, I was going on and on about something at the brewery and how frustrating it was. And, and, you know, I, and he said, you have to remember, dude, it doesn't say Ryan Wagner's Guinness brewery. Right. And he didn't say it like in a negative way. Like it wasn't like, you don't have ownership of this. He's like, look, there are a lot of people down there. There's a lot of people that are fighting for this. There's a lot of people moving in that direction. You have to be able to step back and, you know, still do what you do, still bring your passion, still work, still do all those things, but understand that there's a lot of people that are pushing this train down the tracks. Right. Uh, so that, that was, you know, because sometimes I think that's a, that's a challenge of mine that I get a little, I get a little too close to things. Um, and that's when it becomes difficult. So I've had to learn to, uh, to trust, frankly, to trust other people that are doing these things to, to be able to step back. And, and so I think trust is huge. I think, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, and I'm also just, I'm, I'm a worker. And what's funny is that if you talk to any of my previous bosses and told them that they'd be like, mm, no, that's not him. Like he's, he's a five o'clock go home. That's it kind of guy. But again, when you, when you find something that you love, uh, you know, you, you want to do it, you want to be there, you want to be a part of what's going on. And so I've been very fortunate that that's been encouraged. Uh, work-life balance is something that they also talk a lot about. They're, yeah. they're very critical of me sometimes about that. Um, but uh, that being said, you know, it's, to me, it's, it's passion, it's communication, it's, it's being authentic, it's being true and bringing your real self to work every day. Absolutely. That I think is something that's overlooked, you know, cause if you're not comfortable in your own skin, if you're not given the opportunity, frankly, that, that so many are not given the opportunity to represent yourself and to bring your thoughts and your passions and, and your abilities to work every day, that makes it a real challenge to be successful. Absolutely. 100%. So Obviously, you touched on it earlier, and um, I, I read it in your, your bio, biographical information, extensive background and knowledge of Guinness. It's, it's a passion thing for you, right? And uh, you, you had the history, you had the knowledge, but let's talk about your beer history. Um, what was your first beer, and how have your beer tastes changed? It, obviously, working at Guinness, how have those tastes changed? Yeah, that's, that's, a, 
That's a really fascinating question. Actually. Uh, first beer, I could not even begin to tell you. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I, I have to imagine, and by the way, I do not now nor would ever advocate for the serving of beer to children, Absolutely. but I would, assume, I would assume that it was probably like a sip of my grandfather's beer, eating crabs or something, you know, something, something like that. It was very familial. Um, in terms of how my beer tastes have changed, I got to tell you, man, before I worked in the industry, I was uh, very much like I would seek out the really unique, I call them hype beers, like the things that were super unique, super crazy. Um, and I still do for to, to some extent. But I will tell you that when you're in the industry and you're, you're working around beer a lot every day and, and, and uh, uh, first and foremost, everybody, please drink responsibly. But when you're out there what I've learned is that my palate is sort of, um, and I've also trained as a, as a Cicerone, which is the sort of beer equivalent of, of sommelier. <laughs> so what I'm, I, <laughs> I don't want to say this. My wife probably says it best. We'll go out to, the, to a restaurant and I'll order a beer. And if I get it in a can or a bottle, I'm looking at the packaging date. I'm checking, you know, the, the carbonation and all that stuff. She's like, do you think you'll ever just, just have a beer and just enjoy a beer anymore. I'm like, no, probably not um, because I'm looking at so much, you know, I'm analyzing beer no matter how much I try not to, not to do that. Um, so my beer tastes have gotten almost simpler. Like I can really appreciate bourbon barrel aged stuff and, and big crazy stouts and really flavorful and overwhelmingly aromatic IPAs. And um, I like all kinds of beer. Uh, our brewmaster Peter always says that his favorite beer is the next one. Um, <laughs> So I can, I can certainly uh, appreciate that. But what I will tell you is really digging in with our brewers, getting a better and a keener understanding of the brewing process, what goes into it, a really well-made lager. So like a Pilsner, you know, even a Kolsch, uh, something where it's the true four ingredient beer, water, malt, hops, and yeast. Nothing else is coming through. That's to me where the craft of brewing really lives. Yeah. And so I, that's, that's what I've, I've been on a real big lager kick lately. Uh, and I blame Todd Perkins, one of our brewers, uh, who is the king of dad beers. We call those dad beers, but he's, uh, he's the king of those beers. And it's, it's fun to, to sit with those guys as well and to really see them dig into the you know, analytical side of beer uh, and, and gain a better understanding of what they look for when they drink beers. That's that's wonderful. I, my my interest is even more peaked than it was writing the question. Uh, uh, so, being a Baltimore native and working with a really well known brand that's now here, uh, or has been here for the last few years, how does that feel? Share share how that feels to be an ambassador from uh, and, and being here and working in that capacity. That's a dream come true. You know, I, I wear my, uh, I wear my Baltimore pride on my sleeve. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, you never have to wonder where I'm from. Um, and I think that again, it's, it's, it's authenticity. You know, it, it, I, I talk about Guinness in Dublin and I'm very passionate about what we built in Ireland and, and around the world. Um, but this place being here, how, you know, what are the odds? Right. I, I've been, I'm the luckiest guy in the world for a number of reasons, chief among them, uh, the woman that I got to marry, but to be able to go to work every day and to man, more often than I care to admit, prove people wrong about Baltimore, about our city, about our people, about, uh, what we represent, who we are. Um, I did a musical, I uh, was lucky enough to do a, a Broadway tour of a musical and went to 49 states and almost every, every major city in this country. And so 
oftentimes when I would show up and I would, uh, they would ask me, you know, where I was from, or I'd be wearing an Orioles hat or a Raven shirt or Under Armour or something, Maryland flag, whatever it was like, Oh, are you from Maryland? I'm like, yeah, from Baltimore. And then inevitably more often than not be like, Oh, like the wire. I'm like, no, no not like the wire. <laughs> like David Simon, you're a brilliant guy. I wish the show had been set in Pittsburgh. Like it's just something. <laughs> Right. I mean, because it's brilliant television. Right. But that's what it is. Yeah. And I think that the the representation or the or the the expectation, I guess, that people have of Baltimore is so is so wrong. And so it's it's just it's it's not at all the city that I know. And just like every other major city in this country, there are parts of Baltimore that are woefully underserved uh, that from a socio-political um from a socio-political point of view, have been underrepresented, underserved, and have been left behind, frankly, very intentionally. I mean, we could do a whole nother podcast about Jim Crow era uh, economic regulations that caused what we see now in a lot of the cities around this country. But when I talk about Baltimore, I talk about the most blue-collar town I know. I talk about a city that is filled with people who are desperately passionate and fiercely defensive about things that are ours. Um, and so when my bosses, I'll never forget this. When I got hired, uh, we sat down for, you know, one of the first two or three chats. One of them said, what do you think about us picking Baltimore? And I said, you, you couldn't have put this in a, in a better place because here's what I know. If Guinness takes care of its community, the way that they have done for 260 years all over the world, if they do that in Baltimore, the people of Baltimore are going to defend Guinness mm-hmm. to the death. The challenge is the flip side of that is the minute that we don't, that we make a promise and don't follow through or that we, you know, we drop the ball in terms of community, they're leaving and they're never coming back because we're fickle. Like we're not, you mess with us, we're not coming back. Right. So Baltimore city is just an unbelievable place to put this brewery because first and foremost, the people that we get to hire, you know, people ask me all the time, is, is the Guinness Open Gate Brewery a local craft brewery? No, I wouldn't say that. I got a lot of friends in the local craft industry who work incredibly hard and who are building this amazing community of breweries that we're lucky enough to be a part of. So I wouldn't say we're a local craft brewery. But to say that we're not a local story, I think is equally as disingenuous. Because when you visit the brewery, everybody who made your beer is pouring your beer, is cooking your food, is serving your food, is keeping that place as disturbingly, immaculately clean as it is. All the people that are working on behalf of the brewery are local. They're paying their bills here. They're putting their kids through school. They're putting themselves through school. Uh, They're they're showing up to work every day, representing not just Guinness, but representing all the things that are amazing about Baltimore and about this part of the world. Um, So for me, how does it feel to be able to represent that? I, I mean, I could not. I couldn't dream of not doing this job and not representing this city and not using that brewery as a gateway to everything that's amazing about Baltimore. Because here's the thing, I want you to come to the brewery. I want everybody to come to the brewery. But when you leave, I want you to go to Fells Point. I want you to go to Federal Hill. I want you to go to Hamden. I want you to go to Mount Washington. I want you to go to, uh, goodness, anywhere. I want you to go to, to South Baltimore, East Baltimore. I want you to experience everything that this city is about. And if Guinness is what gets you here, I guarantee you the city will keep you. The city will, will be what you keep coming back for. Guinness can get you here. And once you discover what, what Charm City is really about, it's over, man. Everybody that, that gets to know this town falls in love with it. Very, very well said. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's what I've been trying to preach with doing this podcast. And I'm always just welcoming just the idea when, when people are just passionate about it. And obviously you're, you're a passionate dude. And uh, 
that's it's almost like it was almost like hearing myself actually for, for a minute uh last two questions i have um so if you had the opportunity what creative person living or did would you want to have a drink with and why oh my goodness that is so hard. You know, what's funny. You, you were kind enough to send me this quite, and I've been thinking about it for a week. And I, it, I mean, there's so many, there's so many ideas here. Um, I uh, create creatively to see, that's also a challenge too, because my first instinct is, is to say Obama. Cause I, the reason I, I just think he would be a cool guy to have a beer with. Like, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't need it to be this epic, like political conversation that answers every question I've ever had about democracy in, in the modern era. I just want to have a beer with the guy. Cause I feel like he'd be cool to shoot the, you know, shoot the breeze. But, yeah. um, there are, there are a lot of, um, like you think of actors who have, uh, like the rock, I think would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, that's a guy that's done a million different things. And I think that would be fascinating to have a beer with him. Um, I've always been bizarrely an Arnold Schwarzenegger fan since I was like literally five yeah, years yeah. old. And so having a beer with Arnold Schwarzenegger would be pretty cool. Um, but I would, you know, the, the, the one person that I always think about when it comes to the times like these uh, questions like these, I should say my grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, he was, I was very fortunate. He was in my life for a long time. He got to see me uh, move to New York and pursue that dream. Um, we just missed getting him up. Uh, he passed away in December and I was in the middle of doing my first off-Broadway show and he wasn't able to make it up for that. So I've, I've always regretted that, sure. but he didn't get to see me get the job with the Orioles, which he would have gotten a real kick out of. Right. He didn't get to, to see me work for Guinness. Uh, so I'd love to, to have a beer with my grandfather and, and just tell him about what's been going on the last uh, 15 years since we lost him. That's, that's good. I uh, kind of have a similar thing with my grandmother. It was kind of like, I, I think I uh, was the second person to graduate having the Oriole story and graduate undergrad and all. And she passed uh, midterms of senior year. And yeah. it's just like, just damn. Um, but it is definitely uh, one of those things where I used to draw, do comics and all of that stuff. And she was always like keeping my drawings and having those right down in the basement. I was like, this is embarrassing. Also, that was really good work I did. <laughs> and um, it was one of those things of, yeah, that's definitely the grandparents. It's like, yeah, that's, that's that'll be a good drink. That'd be a good conversation, good drink. And like, here, this is where I'm at now. I'm doing this every week and um, talking really interesting and, and cool people. And um, yeah, it's, and, and the other thing that's so hard, man, when you, when you think about, like, I'm, I'm so fortunate that I've got my mom. And so, you know, you, I wish that I had had the life experience that I've had now to be able to talk to my grandparents about like, because I couldn't have asked at 21 questions that I knew I was, you know, that, that I was going to have when I was 35. Right. So it's, it's, it's crazy how much the life experience alters what you would have talked to them about, which yes. you would have asked them about. Um, so if you've got your grandparents with you, whoever's listening out there, go call them, go, go ask them questions. It's uh, you'll regret not doing it later. Absolutely. Absolutely. Last question I have. Um, most unusual talent was what was the talent for you what you got so i was uh i <laughs> i was a lonely awkward preteen and teenager um desperately wanting to perform and having no idea how to do that and i would sit in my bedroom and just do things and that sounds weird but like i would try to wiggle my ears until i could wiggle my ears <laughs> i would try to cross my eyes one at a time until i could do that so i sort of trained myself i can juggle I, you know, like all these things that a lonely, awkward kid could do 
in his room by himself. Um, that's I, I have all of those skills, uh, um, uh, like card tricks, yeah. magic tricks, like you know, stupid stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I would say that it, what's what's crazy is that it wasn't really a hidden talent ten years ago when I was doing it full time. But most of the folks at Guinness have no idea that I can sing. That I that like per, like professionally like yeah. I was I was actually a trained singer um but I would say oof, what's a good one um I have another one it's it's sort of performance based uh but I my hidden talent might be teaching fitness classes my wife is a group fitness director for merit clubs here in, in the city nice. uh she when we met eight years ago she said look if we're gonna date or hang out you're gonna have to come take my classes uh, and one of the first ones she made me take was a class called body jam, which is all dance based. There were 35 women, my future wife on stage and me standing at the back of that group of 35 women awkwardly trying to dance and follow. Uh, but eventually she convinced me to teach a class called body pump, yeah. uh, which is a weight training, you know, weightlifting, uh, set to music and choreographed to music and the whole deal. And now I just got certified in another one called grit, which is absolutely as miserable as it sounds. <laughs> um, but that's one, that's one that I think people would, a lot of people when they find that out, they're like, what? Um, but it's a chance to be on stage. It's a chance to perform. It's a chance to, to, to inspire, to, to do those things. So that's probably my biggest hidden talent. Cause I don't talk about it too much. The, the performer, uh, Ryan Wagner here. Uh, so, um, that's all I had for questions. And what I like to do at the very end, um, is provide an opportunity for my guests to shamelessly plug. So plug away. What do you got? Social media, all of that good stuff. Oh goodness. Um, sure. I mean, if anybody would like to follow me, I'm a very boring follow on, uh, social media, uh, but Instagram it's R wags, R W A G S, uh, six, one, four. It's basically pictures of my wife, my pit bull and Guinness beer. Um, so feel free if that's your jam. Um, but the Guinness, uh, the Guinness pages are more important. So Guinness brewery us on Instagram. Uh, the Facebook page is Guinness open gate brewery us. That's what you search on Facebook. Um, and then the website for the brewery is guinnessbrewerybaltimore.com. Um, that's where all the good, I mean, social media, especially we share all the updates on upcoming beers, uh, a couple of events that we've got coming up, uh, the next release in the allyship series, all of the proceeds, uh, from which benefits, uh, the job opportunities task force in Baltimore. Um, our community efforts are centered around three things, uh, economic justice, community empowerment and equal representation and JOTF pretty much checks all three of those boxes. Uh, so they're a great organization. By the time we release this final beer, which is going to happen on June 24th, uh, we will have donated $200,000 to them over the last six months, which is pretty, pretty awesome. Um, and all through beer and all through the, the generosity of people coming down and trying the beer. That one is going to be released with, I mentioned her earlier, but Jasmine Norton from urban oyster. Um, she is fierce. And uh, as passionate as they come, she's going to be there that day, not only to help us release the beer, but she's going to be shucking oysters and selling fried oyster po' boys and all kinds of stuff. She's great. That beer is a pineapple coconut cayenne beer. Wow. Because like I said, uh, Jasmine is fierce. Um, so she came up with something crazy and we love it. Uh, and then, you know, our anniversary, you know, all these things that are coming up, but uh, just check the website, check social media because it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it, there's always something going on down there. And for those that have never been to the brewery, come give us a try, man. It's, it's, it's a pretty unique, uh, unique experience. Yeah, definitely pull up, check it out. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> pretty much the, the endorsement there. It's, 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 it's like a landmark at this point. And, um, 
it's worth checking out or for your attention. Well, Rob, I, I got to get you down there so we can have a beer face to face. We got to grab a beer. In Absolutely. We're making that. We'll make that happen. Uh, so I'm gonna do my sign off. Uh, so for, for, for our wags, for Ryan Wagner, I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, there's beer, great, great beer in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Oh,